0: Chad and Jay Mansbridge here. Lead pastors of Bayside Church International, based here on the south coast of South Australia. Our great passion as a church is to help people to know Jesus and to demonstrate His love, truth, and life in everything that we do. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Today we are in our summer mixtape series, where you get the best of Chad and Jay over the part or over January. We're preaching, ooh, should I say some of our best messages? No, but the ones that are stirring in our hearts to be shared again. You know, when I was thinking about what to preach this morning, I thought there are three main topics within my life that come out time and time again. The first is the power of the cross and the freedom to fly. I think the power of the cross gives us the freedom to be the full person that God has created us to be and to fly into the heavenlies, access the throne rooms and just release all that God has for this earth. There's a message in that. I think I could cover that for a few weeks. The second message that resonates strongly on my heart is one of being joyful and fearless. Joy-filled and fearless. When I leave this earth one day, I would love for people to say about me that I was a joyful person. I would love tomorrow for people to say about me that I'm a joyful person. Now I know that I can grow in this in the same way that I can grow in learning about the freedom of Christ. But I want this to be a a part of my life because I believe it's who God's called us to be, joy-filled people. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And then the third message that I love is one of knowing the power that knowing the person and the presence of God can bring. We're not weak vessels walking around who occasionally get our hit on Sunday so that we struggle through the next week. No, no, no. We are very powerful people because of the continual presence of God that lives within us and the message that he's called us to proclaim. We are powerful people. And that is a muscle that over this year and over the next few years, I would like to see us continue to strengthen. Power to see people healed. Power to see the gospel spread. Power to see people's lives changed and set free for the goodness and glory of God. Who's with me? We're a powerful people. And we should be continuing to encourage each other in that. But this morning, which of those three shall I go to? I'm going to go back to number two. Being joy-filled, being Holy Spirit-filled. And I'm going to start in Philippians 4. Can we do that? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Now, what does rejoice mean? Rejoice means to remember joy. It means to think about the things that you are thankful and grateful for, the things of God that have taken place. Remember them and be grateful for them. It's what we do with the chocolate box every Sunday. We're taking a moment to say thank you, God, to remember the good things that have happened in our church family. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Now, I remember a few years ago, it may have even been like seven years ago now, standing on this stage and at the start of a year saying, if we can learn how to rejoice at the end of a day, then I'm able to look back over that day and say it was a joy-filled day. Or it had joy in it. I remember the joy of that day. If I look back over the course of the week and I can say I can celebrate joy-filled moments, then it's quite likely that I will remember it as a joyful week. If I look back over the course of the month and do the same, then it's a joyful month. And if I look back over the year, then I can say that it's a joy-filled year. And I want to be able to look back at 2020 and say it was a joy-filled year. Now, I'm not silly. I know that within our years, we have some terrible moments that each of us experience. And quite often, these, these terrible moments mark certain years. And some of them rightfully so. But we can experience terrible moments in years and still look back on that year and say, it was joy filled also. And, you know, God actually gives us a way to do that in Philippians 4. He says, let your gentleness be evident to all. I like that. The Lord is near. There's the first part of it. The Lord is near. Even in those hard times, rejoice because the Lord is near. Verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. There's a key that he gives us in order to be able to see the year as joy-filled because the fearful and the anxious moments and, and the moments that haven't brought us joy, we take back to God. With prayer, petition and thanksgiving, we present our request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In verse eight, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. See we can all think about the fearful things, and I think we live in a world where social media bombards us with fearful things where we have access to the whole world and so we hear the whole world's tragic stories and they come in into our screen time and time and time again. But what about if we could take a moment or many moments during the day and just be praiseworthy of what God is doing? Do you know that on your social media you actually set the algorithm? What you watch, you see more of. So if you're feeding yourself on social media with negative information and news you'll get more you won't get any of the good stuff in fact it'll start getting less and less and less we need to understand how to have a diet that is full of excellent and praiseworthy things verse 9 whatever you have learned that's awesome thank you guys (laughs) whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me put into practice and the God of peace will be with you I want to talk this morning about being joy-filled. And, you know, I, I think there's been a beginning of that this morning, a beginning of the feeling as we've been rejoicing, a beginning of the feeling as the Holy Spirit has started to pour out his heart and life on different individuals with elements of healing. But I believe that there is opportunity for more. I want us to be a church that is full of the Holy Spirit, When we are individuals full of the Holy Spirit, there is spillage. When we are a church that is full of the Holy Spirit, there is spillage. We can have an effect on our community by just simply allowing our lives to be full. Because you won't be able to resist overflowing. So I want to start this morning in Acts chapter 2. I want to talk about the church when it first experienced The Holy Spirit filling. Have we got our Bibles here? Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, if you haven't, it's on the screen. It's all good. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Who was all together? Let me set the scene. All the believers at the time. So Jesus had been on earth, he had experienced the power of the cross, he had experienced, he was the power of the cross. But he had experienced the cross and his disciples had seen that. And then from there, Jesus had come back to earth and he'd said to his disciples, I'm going to go into heaven again, but I'm going to leave you with someone who will continue to guide you. And that someone is the Holy Spirit. And so there were, I think, 120 disciples or people waiting and praying, expecting the presence of whoever Jesus was talking about. And that's where this story Begins. In verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Who's been outside on a windy day? I have, and I don't love it. I don't love a windy day, I don't like getting the dust in my face, I don't like the branches blowing across the road, I don't like my hair everywhere, I don't like a windy day, but I tell you what I know, I know when it's a windy day, and this has been put in the scriptures that they were all together and they experienced a violent wind, there is no doubt that a violent wind occurred, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them, and in some Um, translation this is more like a full fire it's not just a little little bit it's like full fire and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak to one another in tongues as the Spirit enabled them now they were staying in Jerusalem God fearing Jews from every nation under heaven and when they heard this sound a crowd came together in bewilderment because (laughs) it's just I can hear the dribble next to me (laughs) I won't drink any more water. Anyway, when they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken, which is amazing. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? You see, they knew that these Galileans didn't know their tongues. Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Amazed? In verse 12, amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? What does it mean? Don't you think it would have been strange to go into a, a place, I guess these guys would have been out in the community by now, and people who should not know your language are speaking your language? I don't know if it's anything like Africa, but in Africa they have lots of different like combinations of certain languages. So you can speak the same language, but you know where people are from because of the little accents and clicks that they have well now you've got people who are speaking with those and they know you you know God is such a personal God that he would go to that measure and some however made fun of them and said they have had too much wine this just makes me smile when I read this because I know having been in different situations what it looks like for people to have had too much wine and it looks like something doesn't it it looks like something. Sometimes there's a lot of joy. Sometimes there's a lot of tears. Either way, it looks like something. And so what I know from the scriptures is when the Holy Spirit comes and is activated in these 120 people's lives, it looks like something. And so I know with this that I have an expectation that when the Holy Spirit comes upon my life, it looks like something. It looks like being filled up and overflowing. It looks like having the courage to say testimony of healings that have happened and then praying for other people. It looks like um, being able to love financially with more finances than I could possibly have. It looks like something. The love of God is extravagant. The Holy Spirit is extravagant. And I want to encourage you today that it looks like something. And I know some of us are scared of what it looks like, But I want to encourage you today, not to be, but to go back and search the scriptures and see the different ways that God reveals himself through the Holy Spirit and allow God to work in your life. Because what I also know is there have been ways that I've been embarrassed by the Holy Spirit. (laughs) Meaning, I was in a meeting once and... um, I had said to God before I went to this meeting that he was not allowed to make me shake because I'd seen people shake in meetings and that freaked me out. I grew up in a very conservative Christian background and so... It wasn't, it wasn't a part of my life to see lots of things that maybe some of the Pentecostal Christians had grown up with. Anyway, this thing of shaking just really, really made me feel uncomfortable. And I remember getting into this meeting and I, I don't know whether I'd had that thought because I knew that God was about to do it or, or what, but I just remember thinking, don't let me shake. And there I was sitting in this meeting during worship and my legs began to shake violently violently. And I was like, God, I'm not okay with this. But do whatever you want with my life. God, I'm not okay with this. But do whatever you want with my life. And I remember that after a couple of days, I just had to give in to the shakings of God. And a few days later, I was able to give testimony to what God had done. And it it took a couple of days to kind of just see the full picture and know what was going on, there were a couple of days where I was just shaking and I didn't understand it. A couple of days. And there was opportunity to give testimony, and I just heard coming out of my mouth, I've been healed from the pain of miscarriages. Now, when I gave testimony to that, no one in the room knew that I'd had five. No one knew the pain that I'd carried with that. No one knew how much it was holding me back from running into the things of God because I just was scared to trust him. That's the honest truth. I had had three beautiful kids, but there was still this battle and there was still this struggle. And, you know, I have never struggled with that pain again. I've never struggled with that again. It left me completely, 100% on that day and I was able to then um, have a pregnancy with Zoe and no fear I was reminded of that these last few weeks because um, whenever when I was pregnant with Zoe every single day God showed me a sign and that sign was a type of bird and I saw that type of bird recently I was just reminded and I just said thank you God I remember that situation. I'm so grateful, God. Thank you. Thank you for pushing past my frustrations and my struggles and just shaking me free. You know, when God hits me now and and I feel shaking coming on, and it doesn't happen very often, but when it does happen, my first question to God is now, what are you getting rid of? And please just make it go away. Because whatever it is, I obviously don't need it you know shaking makes sense if you want to get dirt off a you know a beautiful diamond like they just shake it a lot really hard and it's just released that's the same as the presence of the holy spirit how does laughing make you feel excited how does your body feel does it relax It bubbles up. You know, laughter is such, it's been studied by science and it's such a beautiful thing. You know, I think we should increase our expectation of laughter in the Holy Spirit. Do you know the release that that brings? And I've been thinking about that lately because Zoe has been laughing a lot. I tell you what, it's such a delight because sometimes she's not a delight. Her name might be Zoe Joy, but oh my goodness, sometimes Chandler are like, oh, could you just go to bed? maybe that's all four of the children but anyway and then Chad and I laugh Um, but it's much more enjoyable when we are laughing along with Zoe. Earlier this week um, I listened to one of my friends overflow with the Holy Spirit. I was at the gym, I was exhausted, it was one of the worst workouts we've done in a long time, Dan I hope you can hear me and um Dan, it was really bad, it was horrible, I was exhausted and I I still haven't forgiven you. But anyway, anyway, um, I heard coming out of Dan's lips um, him telling a story about his daughter being healed this week. And, you know, I'd heard Dan talk about that earlier in the week because I'd known um, Lacey had got her finger jammed in something and, and it had really peeled off and they'd been talking about how terrible it was and how brave she was. But I didn't know the other part of the story, and the other part of the story was is that they would prayed for a finger, wrapped a bandaid around it, and when they took it off a couple of days later, you could barely even tell. There had been such a full-on healing of Lacey. Well, Dan was telling me and some others in the gym, and one of the other girls piped up and said, can you pray for me? Now, I was exhausted. Like, I would literally had just laid down on a dirty floor, And um, not dirty because your gym's dirty, but dirty because I'd made the floor dirty. (laughs) Just let me clarify that. But that's, that's what joy is. Joy is I'm excited because I've seen a healing happen to my daughter, allowing it to bubble up and overflow. And guess who gets touched? I wasn't expecting someone in the room to say, can you pray for me too? But that's overflow. And so that's what we did. We, we prayed for this lady and we prayed for her foot. That is the Holy Spirit bubbling up. That is joy bubbling up and that is the overflow that God can bring. So we see it here. They've, it looks like they've had too much wine. And time and time again I question that and I go, God, what did that look like? And what does that look like for me? What expectation should I have of you for my life? Well, what happens from there is... Um, is that these disciples go out and what do they do? They're filled up with the Holy Spirit and they begin to preach the gospel. They begin to tell the good news of Jesus. They begin to pray for healing and they begin seeing the sick healed. They begin seeing um, demons brought out of people and what happens is there is an uncontainable joy that fills the city. There is overflow. And then something else comes. What else comes? Persecution. Who wants that? I don't want that. I don't want I've got no time for that. <laughs> but that is what comes. In Acts chapter eight, we see a man called Saul, and he is approved by the government to go out and kill the Christians. And he takes a group of men with him and they begin their persecution. And the church was persecuted and scattered. And on that day, in verse 1, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. Stephen was a great preacher of the word. He saw mighty miracles take place. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing what you do when you remain Holy Spirit-filled despite what is going on. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. And when the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralysed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city." Who wants a city filled with joy? How do we get there? We just allow ourselves to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We come in our togetherness and get filled with the Holy Spirit and we go out into our communities together and allow the overflow to come. And you don't have to go out with a purpose to see the sick healed. No, no, no. Just like Dan at the gym. You just go out. Holy Spirit overflows, happens to be some other Christians in the gym, we gather together, we pray. It's simple. Allow the presence of God to come and he will overflow. The disciples had the opportunity or the potential to be fear-filled and joyless, but they chose to stay filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to be just like that. You know, the counterfeit for fear is joy, is allowing joy to fill up your heart, so fear lessens. Hard things can be happening in the city and yet great joy filled the city. And this is important to remember when we face difficult situations. We, um, we were laughing last week, or I think Ted said over the last couple of weeks, um, that we're entering the roaring 20s. Yeah? The roaring 20s. I wonder if the roaring 20s is about... The roar comes from a lion, yes? If I was to think of the sound of a roar, it comes from a lion, or it comes from a mighty waterfall, or it comes from the sounds of saints as they proclaim the good news of God. Roar is a sound that you hear. When you think of roar, when you think of a lion, I instantly think of the lion of the tribe of Judah, who is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We are entering into a season of the roaring twenties where the King of Kings is gonna resonate through our our voice, through our sound, and it is a sound that will be heard. I think we need to talk about the Roaring Twenties more and more. I think we need to get excited about the Roaring Twenties. I think we need to get excited about him using our voices because the the roar is good, the roar is loud. In Acts chapter 9, talking about just the power of the Holy Spirit this morning, his overwhelming presence, his joy filling up our lives. In Acts chapter 9, I want to just tell you the story of Saul a little bit more. Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue in Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, whether man or woman, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? I love that we serve that kind of a God. I love that he gets people, stops them in their tracks, especially the mean ones, and just says, hello, here I am. But listen, he stopped a very nasty man in his tracks to let him know that he exists. You see, God wasn't out to get him. God was out to get him, make him his. Tell you what, we've got some people in leadership at the moment that I'm seeing all sorts of things come up against Facebook and, oh, they're terrible. They must be out. They must be out. They must be out. They must be out. How about we pray for them and allow God to capture their hearts? Because men in authority or women in authority are better off still in authority with hearts captured by God than not in authority at all. Just saying. Let's trust God that God will show the light. Let's pray for men and women. Who are you, Lord? Saul asks. I'm Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men travelling with Saul stood there speechless, as you would. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. And Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision. Ananias. Now we don't hear about this man anywhere else. Like, who is he? He's just kind of an unknown who's spending time with God and praying with God. And here God decides, I'll choose you. And so Ananias responds to him, yes, Lord. And the Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Like, how would you feel if God told you that? As a nobody, Jay, wake up and go see the man who is slaughtering every Christian. Won't you just go chat with him? I'd be like, oh, thanks, God. Well, God doesn't only really do that, but he says he's seen you come and speak to him. He's like, set him up. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. Ananias is kind of fearful. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. God speaks. Joy fills Ananias' heart. Holy Spirit fills him. He has the faith to face his fear to go speak with this person called Saul. And then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me to you so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptised and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Awesome. Good news. So Ananias would have had to walk into this situation knowing that Saul was blind, but knowing that Saul had men around him who could have taken his life. You see, you can look at it and go, well, Saul was blind, he couldn't have done anything. No, Saul had the power of his voice still. He still could have said to the men around him, kill that man. I don't know why he comes to me, but just kill him. He's one of those Christians. Ananias really took a step of faith. And Ananias, I believe, the only reason he took a step of faith is because he really understood what it was to be filled. And so it, wasn't, it didn't take a lot to overflow. Even though this situation seemed really scary so Saul has regained his strength and he spent several days with the disciples in Damascus several days with the disciples in Damascus and at once he began to preach in the synagogues some of you guys have known Jesus for years come on several days and he's out preaching I'm not going to make you feel bad because that is the call that was upon Saul's life but I think that's awesome And all those who heard him were astonished and asked, isn't he the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoner to the chief priests? Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. You know, Saul also uses the name Paul sometimes in the scriptures. And he wrote most of the New Testament because... Ananias was filled with the Holy Spirit. See, sometimes I think we think of ourselves like we're only small. Yet filled with the Holy Spirit, God overflows out of us and God is mighty. And the effect that he has is mighty. And we can never underestimate the seemingly small part that God has us play in the faithfulness that he has for all mankind. I'm really trusting this year that God is wanting us to have a year where we grow in strength. I said that a few weeks ago. Strength in understanding the power of the cross and its purpose, not just for us, but for those around us. Strength in understanding joy and the Holy Spirit and allowing it to bubble up and to overflow out of us. When I was thinking of this example, I thought, wouldn't it even be more exciting if we get like a sparkling water bottle? I've been introduced to sparkling water over the last few years and shake it up and pour it in. Well, I think we're going to experience more of that kind of Holy Spirit power where it's not just like uh, still water, but it's like sparkling water overflowing. It talks about that in the book of John. I think when it comes to the power of the presence of God and of his goodness and of his love overflowing, I think that there is a strength that is rising up and we should have an expectation that as the Holy Spirit fills us, his power will come out of us to see the lives that we touch really significantly changed, restored, healed. Will you stand with me? In John 15 verse 11, it says, these things I have spoken to you, that my joy... God's joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Ellie, do you want to come up? You guys got one more song. You know, I think this morning, I just feel like the Holy Spirit has been activated and and He always is. (laughs) Always is. Always is. As we come, people full of the Holy Spirit, He is always activated. But I think there is room for us to just be filled up even more. And for spillage to occur. And it's not just a filling up for us. It's a filling up because who knows who God has got you, um, who God has got lined up to speak with you this week. Who knows? And if he doesn't this week, maybe the week after or maybe the week after that. And you know, the cool thing about God is he doesn't expect you to be a different person in order to share the good news of God. He wants to use you as a vessel He created you. He loves you. He thinks you are absolutely stunning. You are a perfect creation and you are perfect for the plans that he has to outwork through you if you just will open up your life and be filled with his Holy Spirit. So let's respond in whatever way you feel like best represents you being filled up, whether it be hands raised or whether it just be hands on your heart because I want my heart to be filled up. I don't know, maybe you need to know Jesus this morning and that's most definitely the first step because it was because Saul met the person of Jesus that anything else was able to happen. If that's you this morning, just ask Jesus into your heart. Just say, hey, I don't know you. I want to meet you. I want to know more about you and then just come ask one of us leaders up the front more about it or a friend that's brought you. Brought. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. We welcome you. I don't know what's needed in this room this week, but if it's laughter, I pray laughter will come, that it will bubble up. I see that that soda bottle shaking and there is going to be an outpouring. Some of you are going to find yourselves at home watching the most boring thing on TV tonight and laughing your head off in the privacy of your home being filled with the Holy Spirit. For some of you, you just feel fear is lifting and actually there's just such an almighty sense of peace coming over your life right now. And Father, I pray for an increase in that. I pray for a pouring out of your Holy Spirit in the area of peace. Fill our hearts with peace, Lord. Let us know that you are near so that our gentleness can be evident to all. For some of us, we just this week need to practice being thankful, being grateful, just allowing our hearts to get joy-filled, just switching off the negativity and and flicking the positivity back on in in whatever way that you do that. But God, in, in whatever way, we call on you for more. We call on you for your presence. We call on you for your power. Let your majesty be seen in our nation, Lord.